Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff I Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. Okay, Annie, is there a moment in your childhood where you knew or that had the memory of realizing that your mom was someone that you could completely depend on? Ooh, that's a good question. <laughs> I, I have a memory of I was involved in a, a car, a pretty serious car accident when I was four years old. <laughs> it was a hit and run. And after that, I had like all these medical issues. And I remember once in the middle of the night, like I was having trouble breathing. And my mom just was there and was holding me and took me to the hospital. And I remember thinking in that moment, like this is a person who is looking out for me and who's going to be there for me. And it was just, I, I don't know, I just have that of her holding me and feeling like, okay, this is going to be okay. Because I was kind of panicking right. uh, before that. Yeah. So maybe that? Yeah. <laughs> That's a good memory. And the reason I ask is today we are going to go down this very vast road in different studies of attachment and attachment theories and attachment disorders and how they relate to women and even in women's relationships in general. And of course, if you don't know much about the attachment theory as well as all of the studies behind it, there's a lot of emphasis on mothers and maternal connections, especially when you go to the original idea. And it's funny because you and I were talking about, we're going to record this episode, and I was talking about how difficult some of this research was and how very vastly different the theories can be, as well mm -hmm. as the fact that some of the older studies much like what we talked about with our book club, uh, Inferior, was really problematic because yeah. they were not necessarily completely just scientific as much as a lot more misogynistic ideas mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and the uh, lack of research when it came to women and girls in general. 
Mm-hmm. But uh, I thought it was fascinating because as we were talking about it, you were like, I'm afraid this is going to be one of those moments where I'm going to be like, oh, that's me. This is me. And I'm like, <laughs> right. well, I had many of those moments myself, um, <laughs> which is also why I find this subject really fascinating because as a person who's worked in the field for so long, as well as someone who has gone through a lot of trauma, especially in my early childhood, mm-hmm. especially when it came to caregivers and people in my life, yeah, I'm like, well, this could be me and me and me. And not that it's something to joke about, but something that right. it has brought out uh, was the fact that my social worker friends and myself will talk about the fact that I probably should have been uh, diagnosed with an attachment disorder as a kid. Mm -hmm. But this is fairly new-ish in itself as a conversation. So I thought it was interesting and I wanted to know if you had that moment in your life when you're like, yeah, my mom is here. This is what I know. She's the caregiver. I know that she's my safety net. Mm -hmm. Because for me, I don't technically have one of those moments. So yeah, we're going to get into it. (laughs) And it's going to be a little all over the place. Uh, So yeah, go ahead and put that. There's no real trigger warning, even though there's a lot of scientific ideas behind this theory, as well as a lot of sociological aspects to this. But it may make you start wondering about your own style and may (laughs) trigger some things. So we'll put that in here. (laughs) Yeah. No, I'm, I'm really fascinated by this because later in my life, I had a reason to be concerned about abandonment, I guess, but early on I didn't. And yet I would still like wait at the door, at the window when my parents would leave and think, oh, they're never coming back. And I've always been curious about why that is. And so perhaps I will learn about myself today. (laughs) So what are we talking about when we say attachment? As defined by Merriam-Webster, attachment is a strong emotional bond that an infant forms with a caregiver, such as a mother, especially when viewed as a basis for normal emotional and social development. Also, the process by which an infant forms such an emotional bond. Of course, this is a very literal term when it comes to the psychology of attachment. Right. And if you want to go through and look at all the research papers in different types of self-help, I guess, articles that are out there about this, they also call it an affectionate bond as well. So it's kind of that level. Yeah, we're going to keep going down again, this rabbit hole. And I'm telling you, it's a deep (laughs) rabbit hole. And what is the attachment theory, and how did this theory come to be? Attachment theory is defined as, quote, a set of concepts that explain the emergence of an emotional bond between an infant and a primary caregiver and the way in which this bond affects the child's behavior and emotional development into adulthood. And this is by dictionary.com. So the attachment theory was first studied by John Bowlby, a psychiatrist and psychoanalyst that worked at the Child Guidance Clinic in London. And it was in 1958, Bowlby proposed that the importance of a child's relationship to its mother influences their social, emotional, and cognitive development. His idea centered around the concept of monotropy, which is based on the idea that a child has to attach to one main attachment figure, meaning there is one relationship that is more important than others. Others. And by the way, he was actually one of those children uh, growing up after being with his mother, was sent to boarding school and felt like this really disrupted some of his attachment stuff. And this is why he's also fascinated, much like mm-hmm. us. We're like, oh, what's wrong with us? Let's look it up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
And he was interested in learning, again, the level of separation anxiety and distress children experience when they're no longer with their guardians. He theorized that attachment was an evolutionary process and that children were born with innate needs to form attachments with their primary caregivers. He believed the most critical periods of attachment development were the first two and a half years, um, but then he later changed that to the first five years of life. And by the way, he also said that if they weren't attached by the first two and a half years, they never would, and that could cause criminal behavior. So his went whole further into the study, but we're not going to talk about that level yet. Whoa. (laughs) And according to a site that was looking into his work, quote, an internal working model is a cognitive framework comprising mental representations for understanding the world, self, and others, and is based on the relationship with the primary caregiver. It becomes a prototype for all future social relationships and allows individuals to predict, control, and manipulate interactions with others. He identified some ideas of characteristics of attachment, which included proximity maintenance, being near people we are attached to, safe haven, being able to get comfort and safety in threatening situations from an attachment figure, secure base, the figure that the child can come back to while exploring the surroundings, um, separation distress, anxiety when the figure is absent. But as we talked about earlier, and we'll probably talk about all the way, because I really want to emphasize this point that as any real good theories go, there are variations and conflicts that rose as time passed and more studies were conducted. And by the way, when we talk about more studies, we're talking about how they've delved into studies when it comes to abuse, when it comes to domestic violence, when it comes to drug use. So there's a plethora of conversations. Psychologist Mary Ainsworth, expanding on Bowlby's studies with her work, titled Strange Situations, which was a study in the 1970s. Uh, She observed children between the ages of 12 to 18 months when the guardians would leave for a short amount of time and return, specifically the mothers, and there would be strangers present. So she wanted to see this type of interaction. She was able to identify specific styles of attachment, including secure, ambivalent insecure, and avoided insecure attachments, which could affect behavior later in life. And in the 80s, a fourth style was identified by the researchers Maine Solomon, known as the disorganized insecure attachment. And these studies continue today with more and more research being conducted, not only in the world of psychology, but within the world of healthcare and other service fields. It heavily influences training and policies within the social welfare systems and professions and has continued to be a topic of discussion within the world of academia. But of course, with such large subject matter, with a lot of opinions and differing research, it comes with some controversy. In past misconceived attempts in trying to relearn or unlearn, past traumatic experiences as children has allowed for different methods of therapy that are considered poorly thought out and based on inaccurate evidence in its basis and overall research that it should be looked at with caution. As one stated, these practices, quote, are not regarded as having any basis in attachment theory and research besides using the word attachment in the title. And yeah, some of these practices has actually caused death. And what we're talking about is some of these children who have been uh, diagnosed with some of the severe disorders, like reactive attachment disorder, which we're going to talk about in a minute. But they would actually try to rebirth them. And that practice was swaddling them with heavy cloth and trying to make them kind of push out out of uh, the birth canal, which is that cloth, but has killed people because they were ended up being suffocated or such. Mm. And it's kind of all these levels of like, this is impractical. Why would you do this? And some of these practices still happen 
illegally, even though it has been banned. Um, and it's not that's not the only ones. Uh, of course, we talk about reparenting, which sounds like a good idea, but if it's not actually looked into and what therapeutic ideas are behind quote-unquote reparenting, it can become very dangerous, especially mm-hmm. if we're not looking and monitoring PTSD um, and triggers as well. So there's a whole different level, but there's a lot of controversy about who wants to do what. Not that it's all bad, but it may hard, cause more harm than good. So yeah. those are the kind of the practices that we are talking about when we say controversial. Yeah. One thing that Bowlby did not account for, which again is not surprising for that time, is gender. In 2014, a researcher named Tonneson found that girls were almost twice as often securely attached than boys, and that the boys were two times more likely to be categorized as avoidant and three times more likely to be categorized as disorganized. And yes, we're going to explain what these are in a minute, but we just want to go ahead and put these statistics out here. And unsurprisingly, insecure boys were more likely to act out aggressively and to have behavioral issues when stressed. And insecurely attached girls were more likely to try to please others, meaning boys were more likely to react with fight or flight, while girls may be more on the friend and befriend trend. So trying to be a people pleaser, essentially. And the study continues to show that insecure attached boys are more likely to lash out while girls may exhibit internalized behaviors. And of course, this is just one study about it, and it just trying to account for gender differences, if there are any. As we talked about in our ADHD episodes about what is seen and why girls may be less diagnosed is because of the external versus internal. This is kind of mm-hmm. that same conversation. Mm-hmm. Yes. So we do have a lot more we want to get into with this discussion. But first, we're going to pause for a quick break for a word from our sponsor. rant for a sec please pay apps are way too public what happened some rando hearted a payment from five months ago and i realized people can see my entire history who i'm paying like full names it's super weird yeah it's weird how are you paying your friends then apple cash it's all in messages you can literally send cash like a text and it stays between friends random people can't see it did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Snag a job is where America goes to hire. With the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a Job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. Big screen. I want to be remembered. 
for just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. So let's dig into some of the types of attachment styles often seen in adults. Um, There are four specific types of attachment styles that are typically noted. Secure attachment, anxious attachment, avoidant attachment, and disorganized attachment. So let's get into some definitions of these. Secure attachment, also known as autonomous, those classified as secure are seen as being comfortable in intimacy, less likely to be worried about rejection or overly analytical in how they view their relationships, typically seen as trusting and forgiving, communicates emotions and openly communicates them, does not need to avoid conflict. Avoidant attachment, known also as dismissive, characterized with being uncomfortable with close relationships and typically values independence first and individual freedom. They find it difficult to trust partners and those around them. They can be seen more emotionally distant and fearful of rejection. They can be seen as stoic, compulsively self-sufficient, and with a narrow emotional range. They are also known to be good in a crisis, less emotional, and can take charge. They are also seen as less likely to talk about their emotions and avoid conflict, but also may have a more explosive episode when pushed. Uh Uh-oh. That sounds familiar. (laughs) 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 So, anxious attachment, a.k.a. preoccupied, are more likely to be insecure in relationships, worried about rejection and abandonment, and are seen as hyperactive when it comes to needs and their behavior, often obsesses on past issues and past unresolved incidents, which can interfere with their current relationships, can be seen as overly sensitive, and can take someone's behavior or action as a personal attack. They're known as being highly emotional and combative and to have poor personal boundaries, and they often blame others and seem to not be self-aware. And then there is the disorganized attachment or unresolved attachment. And this is the high levels of anxiety and avoidance combined. Not only are they more likely to be uncomfortable with intimacy, but also worried in questioning their partner's commitment and overall love. Oftentimes associated with severe depression, PTSD, disassociations, and intrusive triggered memories or trauma. Um, when looking at this type of attachment, it is often a part of the comorbidity with the types of diagnosis that can be associated with severe abuse or neglect. Now, these are specific styles and categories used to identify how adults may relate with others. But there's no actual diagnosis of attachment disorder for adults. And most often when attachment in adults are being studied, they are given questions to assess the early relationships one may have had with their primary caregivers. So they are going way back and oftentimes will kind of negate what has happened recently. And we're going to talk a little bit more about this later, but stressors, life events, all of these things do affect that as well. However, there are two specific attachment disorders that can be diagnosed in children, and they are fairly new in the DSM. And though we aren't going to go too in-depth, we did want to do a quick overview of what they are. Starting with reactive attachment disorder, or RAD, usually seen in children who have suffered maltreatment, abuse, or neglect, is not often diagnosed correctly and needs specific effective treatment. If it isn't treated, symptoms may continue into adulthood. Some symptoms may include impulsivity, hard time maintaining relationships, inability to read emotions or show affection, detachment, and anger issues. 
Right. And at one point in time, there was conversations about whether unresolved RAD could lead to antisocial personality disorders. But there's really no correlation. Uh, and there's the bigger conversation. Again, there's this whole level of how hard it is to diagnose someone with RAD as well as antisocial personality disorders. Typically, there's specific questionnaires to that. And unless they're already kind of noted to have these types of symptoms and these professionals are able to link, they won't be diagnosed. This has been my experience when I was working with the Department of Family and Children's Services and how often mm -hmm. that would be kind of just pushed to the side. There's also disinhibited social engagement disorder, or DSED, which can develop due to neglect and a lack of consistent attachment to a primary caregiver during the first two years of life. Again, fairly new to the treatment world, so may be underdiagnosed or can be mixed with the RAD diagnosis. But much like RAD, if it isn't treated effectively, it can continue into adulthood. And some signs of DSED in adults include hyperactivity, lack of awareness when it comes to social boundaries, lack of inhibitions in certain behaviors, and may be intrusive with the people they barely know or have just met. So the boundary lines have kind of just disappeared. Mm -hmm. And when looking at children diagnosed with attachment disorders, it's usually within the ages of nine months to five years. Uh, though, again, it can manifest into adulthood if not treated. But with these two actual disorders, it can be confused with insecure attachment styles, which we talked about earlier, and may not be classified as a DSM disorder or diagnosis, but can lead to other types of DSM diagnosis if not treated. And while we're talking about all of this, these, like most theories and diagnoses, look differently with different people. And many people can have more than one style of attachment issue that can be triggered based on past trauma, current trauma, stress, societal expectations, or life changes in general. And the information is constantly changing and turning. But we still want to see what happens when it comes to women, attachment styles, and relationships. So yeah, let's take a look at that right now. Again, let's go ahead and just put this reminder here because you know I love all the reminders. There's not a catch-all when it comes to personality or mentality types. There are some schools of thought that the attachment can play a role in a person's way of interacting with people, whether it's familial or romantic, but there's no magic quiz that can perfectly diagnose what type of attachment style one may be categorized. Well, for most people anyway, who knows? Maybe some people can, but that I've seen or that has been super accurate. And just as we are saying earlier and Annie, you and I were saying, we might fit into a couple of these categories right. <laughs> on different levels, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, and we talked a bit earlier about how each different styles might react in romantic relationships, but we wanted to look at this in a different take, specifically how this may affect women, especially when we look at the cis-heteronormative demands placed on women, meaning the perfect wives, mothers, caretakers. Right. According to one article focused on attachment and relationships, author Dr. Birit Brugert looks at how the focus on the attachment between two people that, quote, sustains traditional relationship structures and not necessarily romantic love. In her article, she states, no matter the type of attachment, attachment relationships are, quote, likely to involve some form of dependence and contractual interaction. And here she examines a look within marriages and domestic partnerships when she, she's talking about attachment relationships. She continues that these relationships, quote, replicate traditional relationship structures that could lead to an oppressive relationship. 
right? And according to her writing, she gave some examples of why women in these roles are oftentimes the one to invest more emotional energy and how the relationships are typically uneven. She states women may subsume their identity to their partners, which in turn transform their own perspectives or ideals, trying to become more like them. Another reason may be that women are more likely to stay in long-term relationships because of the overall investment in that relationship, i.e., We've done this for 10 years. I can't just get out of it now. I've invested too much. And changing this Mm -hmm. can be too hard. And a third reason women are more likely to be in this type of attachment relationship may have to do with the overall societal expectation that women are supposed to be dependent on men. Whether we are talking about the heteronormative role of men being breadwinners or being protectors, leaders of a home, the societal expectation of two becoming one places a level of dependency in order for women to be complete. So her whole conversation was based on the idea that this type of relationship is an attachment-based relationship, so therefore it's unhealthy and taking away power and the overall desire that a woman may have, meaning that they cannot place themselves first because in this attachment relationship, they put their husbands first, which we've heard that many, many times about marriages. Yes, yes. And when we break down mononormative relationships, there could be elements that some may think are too constrictive and cause more stress within these relationships. In fact, there are many theories within attachment and relationships about how specific types may not be compatible um, and more toxic than others. When looking at a secure attachment, the idea is that a secure style may be compatible with all the styles as long as they are able to discern and communicate with the partners, while an anxious style with an avoidant style may be one of the least likely to succeed. Though again, not written in stone. These are generalizations we're we're dealing with now. But then we need to take into account the overall stressors of life and how each attachment style handles the stressors, whether they are exterior or interior types of stress. So a lot going on. People are complicated. (laughs) True story. (laughs) And when we talk about exterior and interior types of stress, it's kind of like what's going on around them versus what's going on inside of them and how do they react. And we talked about how, you know, some are inhibited and some are more physical. So that kind of conversation. Yes, yes. And we have even more conversation for you. But first, we have one more quick break for a word from our sponsors. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. 
I want to be remembered for just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. This episode is brought to you by Pedigree. True love is always being excited from the first moment you see one another and every time after that. It's taking long walks together in the summer, gazing longingly into each other's eyes and, well, watching their tail wag when they chase a squirrel in the yard. The Pedigree brand asked about believing in love at first sight. And honestly, the answer is yes. And I know you listeners know my love Peaches Gertrude McFuzzin, whom I've talked about so much, and she really was love at first sight. But I will tell you that it took a long time for me to find her. I actually was looking for a good two years before I stumbled upon her picture from my local shelter and knew the moment I saw her that she was the one. And the minute I tell you when I saw that picture and I went to meet her out the shelter and I sat with her for a good 20 minutes, y'all, I couldn't leave her. I knew she had to be mine. I knew we belonged together. Peaches and I are friends as well. We are, we have a good relationship together. So. You can find love at first sight with the Pedigree Adoption Drive June 7th to 9th, and the Pedigree brand will reimburse your dog adoption fees nationwide. Visit pedigree.com slash adoption dash drive to learn more about the adoption drive and to see full terms and conditions. And we're back. Thank you, sponsors. So some theory is that consensual non-monogamous relationships may help open up different attachment possibilities. So you may have different styles that can actually relate with others. Even beyond that, exploring past binary ideas of both relationships and gender could allow for better emotional regulation, as well as a more secure attachment being able to be formed. So as author Meg John Barker writes in her article, Gender Attachment and Trauma, quote, consider how entwined gender is with emotional expression and how stepping outside of the culturally normative way of doing romantic sexual relationships may offer possibilities of slowing down and or prioritizing different kinds of relating which may be more stable and secure. And if you go on to read her article, she talks a lot about how gender plus trauma plus attachment can be a big portion of how we handle our relationships and how breaking down the binary ideas of each can actually be helpful in understanding our own attachment things as well as being able to relate with others. So it was really, really interesting. And of course, this is very new um, mm-hmm. as we are talking more and more about the spectrum of genders, the spectrum of relationships, polyamorous relationships and how it can be healthy and consensual adult relationships where people are able to explore more with their sexuality and also that spectrum as well. And breaking that down, that perhaps allows us to be able to explore our attachment styles as well and to work on being more secure. So it's a really fascinating read. Definitely should read that. I also should go ahead and put this in here in part of the controversy. The old school ideas of attachment are binary and can even be problematic. It has been used as kind of a transphobic idea of what gender norms could be when it comes to attachment. So go ahead and put that warning out there. There's a really bad science out there for (laughs) old-fashioned, very Western Christian ideas of heteronormative Mm -hmm. families and normal families, as they would call it not what we would call it. So go ahead right. and put that there. <laughs> so another key component to this entire conversation, again, is how trauma affects an individual's attachment style as well. So when we look at the situations of abuse and violence in a person with an 
insecure attachment, the overall stressors can push the individual symptoms into overdrive or maybe even bring some out that we didn't know was there. Whether it's having memory sensory triggers that bring out past defenses, maybe distancing, being too clingy, or PTSD episodes, which can occur if a situation is reminiscent of a past traumatic occurrence. There's also even an exploration of whether disorders like Dissociative Identity Disorder, or DID, could be linked with attachment disorders or styles as well. In a 2006 study, the question of whether an infant's attachment disorganization could contribute to the development of adult disassociative symptoms. And though there could be some evidence that suggests there is a possible link, it hasn't been fully studied at this time. There is a commonality to the disorganized attachment style to both disassociative identity and PTSD, but no real evidence to show it being a cause or effect when it comes to DID. But we also wanted to talk about types of therapy or treatment that can help for those with insecure attachment styles. For children with disorders such as RAD or DSED, psychotherapy like play therapy and art therapy can often allow for children to communicate on their level and is typically best when caregivers are able to attend with the child to focus on strengthening their relationship and developing a healthy attachment. Social skills training, which can help children learn to interact better in social settings and overall family therapy, also good options. So for adults, of course, therapy with a trusted certified therapist and again, because attachment styles and issues are based on personal experiences, discussing the symptoms may be the first way to note what type of treatment is best for an individual. Um, Again, go to therapy, that's a good thing. But if you can't afford therapy, because we know that's a privilege, which shouldn't be, unfortunately, is uh, there are ways that you can look to uh, work on your attachment issues as well. Not only can you work on your attachment issues and insecure attachment, but it can help for any relationships, honestly. So we just want to kind of give a couple of things as possible advice. Again, we are not professionals, so don't listen to us as if we're your doctors. Please go see, if you can, go see a therapist yourself, all of those things. Mm -hmm. But These are some things that you can look at and may be able to process some of the things that you have been thinking on or have been obsessing on or wondering about. Who knows? Try to work on your nonverbal communications between how you interpret, how you interact with others, and how you read others can affect your relationships and being able to communicate on both nonverbal and verbal levels can alleviate some of the pain of assuming things are going wrong and being able to actually work through it without seeing the horrors of, oh my God, did this is this going to happen? Which I do that because I'm anxious and I'm assuming everything was the worst. Mm-hmm. But if you can break that down and actually talk about it and actually work on yourself, this might help you. <laughs> <laughs> work on your emotional intelligence or EQ. This means learning to understand your own emotions and how to control or even understand why you feel the way you do and being able to express this to your partner. More harder than you would think. Something I've been working on. (laughs) Very hard. Yes, it is hard. Yes. Find and develop relationships with securely attached people. This can help in romantic relationships, but can also be helpful in friendships. Having supportive, strong friends could help you overcome your own insecurities. Right. And a biggie. (laughs) work on resolving your childhood trauma or traumas. Uh, Yeah, and it's easy to try to bypass this one or to ignore it. I've done it a lot. Uh, 
for me for the longest time when I was in therapy, I could never get to that because I was yeah. so constantly dealing with the daily trauma and mm -hmm. daily issues and having to try to get past that. So I was putting Band-Aids instead of actually, you know, doing surgery right. and stitching myself up. But when it comes to attachment theories, this is the one that can weigh you down from making progress and positive change. So there's a lot to that, obviously. And I throw that out there as if it's like a, oh, here you go. Obviously, very easy. It isn't. It isn't. And typically, yeah. the best way to do this is through therapy. Again, like mm -hmm. I said, it took me 10 years to actually get to that because I was just dealing with daily trauma upon trauma upon trauma, yeah. which, I mean, the last year, I think, would be the prime uh, example of you weren't able to do the deeper stuff because you were dealing with the daily stuff. And that in itself can cause so much trauma, can cause so much triggering. But as we are trying to get back to, hopefully, a baseline of what our life was at one point in time, trying to come back to resolve those past traumas that's just sitting there, really important. Yes, extremely important and very, very difficult to do for sure. And you know, we've been having this serious conversation and I've had a lot of Star Wars thoughts. Yes. And I've been trying to hold them back, but I just want to say, like... There's a lot I could talk about with Star Wars and attachment issues <laughs> and styles. <laughs> because there's like the whole Jedi code of like attachment is fine, but attachment to the attachment is not fine. You have to be willing to let go. You've got, I've been reading these like Darth Vader, who's called Sad Murder Dad in fan fiction often, stories where he's like trying to get Luke to attach to him and is doing all this weird messed up stuff. <laughs> Kylo Ren is a whole I don't even want to get into it. But anyway, <laughs> I could maybe in a future happy hour. <laughs> Here we go. The psychology of Star Wars. I am ready. <laughs> yes, I'm sure you are. Yes, I've been preparing for we this. Can, we should do a whole session where I pretend to be the counselor and you pretend to be one of the characters. And <gasps> we'll have like a session. That would be so fun. <laughs> would it though? Would it? Would it? So, okay, last night we played Dungeons and Dragons and I had to, I was playing essentially Kylo Ren as a villain and it was so weird because I was like, I I was getting hurt because they were saying mean things to me but I'm like, I don't like Kylo Ren. It was a very confusing <laughs> place to be. <laughs> a lot of conflicting emotions there. It right. was. And as you're talking about your correlation to Star Wars, honestly, these conversations that we're having all can go back to a lot of our own episodes, including uh, daddy issues. We talked about that. Yeah. And that's actually, that came up as part of the research as well, how that could be a part of the, is this an attachment thing where it's unnecessarily healthy? And they did have research specifically to children bonding with fathers and can that be the caregiver? And there's been other past works. Uh, Emerson is one of them who talks about having at least one primary good influence who you can attach to and that can make a significant change. And I believe that I've seen that. I feel like that's why mentorship programs are so important as well. But so many things that we could go with this. And yeah, this was a yes. very skewed, giant topic that we <laughs> boiled down to this because we were like, how do we do this in a way that correlates as one topic without going yeah. 15,000 different directions and finding notable good research that's not super uh, transphobic, super... Uh, homophobic or any of that such because those narratives, as we know, can change based on people's agendas and we didn't want to do that. But oh, it's a lot. It's a lot to take in. It is a lot to take in. <laughs> it's 
given me a lot to think about. And listeners, if you would like to share your thoughts with us, you can. You can email us at stuffmediamomstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can find us on Instagram at Stuff Mom Never Told You or on Twitter at MomStuffPodcast. Thanks as always to our super producer, Christina. Thank you. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff I Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. This episode is brought to you by Pedigree. If you've been looking for love at first sight, it is closer than you think. It can be found at your local shelter. So this June 7th to 9th, join the Pedigree Adoption Drive and the Pedigree brand will reimburse your dog adoption fees nationwide. Pedigree knows that bringing a dog into your home not only opens their heart, it can open yours too. Visit pedigree.com slash adoption dash drive to learn more about the adoption drive and to see full terms and conditions. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.